to this is Cruise Radio Rewind. Real reviews from real cruisers. Welcome to this week's episode of Cruise Radio Rewind. Thank you for making us a part of your day. On this week's show, I have Stuart Sheeran, the cruise guy, with us. He's America's most quoted cruise expert. I've been getting a lot of emails since all this Venice talk. Cruise ships being banned from Venice. Are they? Are they not? People that are sailing Venice coming up uh, have someone coming on Norwegian Star. I have a celebrity and one other person emailed me. I think they were going on Holland America and they were worried about Venice. So Stuart Sheeran, the cruise guy, is here to clear the air on this and tell us exactly what's going on because he's been making numerous media appearances to talk about the whole Venice situation. Also have a couple of listener questions to ask him. Kind of the state of the cruise industry type questions. Um, One regarding cruise line stocks and where they're going and where they're headed. Another one with private islands. So let's jump right to Stuart. Stuart Sheeran, the cruise guy. Hey, buddy. Hey, Doug. How you doing? Good, man. Unpack this whole Venice situation for us. Well, uh, unfortunately, uh, Doug, it's there, there's a lunatic fringe over there, and and like a, you know certain places, including our country, we have a group, a small group of people, uh, a vocal minority that uh, don't have a grasp of history, and you know they like to live by the moment and think that uh, there's history behind them. The reality is that they're scapegoating cruising to trivialize and you know personify their propaganda. So right now, the the cruise industry is being scapegoated. Um, originally, they're, they're saying that you know the cruise industry was, you know, was a, a cataclysmic cause to the overtourism in Venice. Well, let's unpack that. Venice has got almost 40 million visitors annually, um, you know, in, into the into the city center. But uh, cruising is only bringing 1.4 million people uh, into Venice. The people that are coming by ship are also a whole lot more profitable. The acquisition costs. To Venice are a lot lower. These people that are coming in by cruise ship um, are are obviously spending a good amount of money. Mm-hmm. Um, they're eating in the restaurants. They're they're shopping in the shops. They're taking the tours, and they're not leaving a whole lot of a footprint or utilizing a whole lot of the resources in Venice. And you know, you've been to Venice. I've been to Venice um, many times. And you know, the reality is that Venice isn't the easiest place to live. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the easiest place. Okay, you, you come in on a cruise ship, and it is not an easy endeavor to get to a hotel. Am I right? Totally. The the boats, having to schlep your, your luggage you know, over bridges, over step bridges, and having to carry it, and up and over, and taking boats and water taxis. It's, I mean, it could take you half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour to find your hotel, to get around. It's an amazing place to visit, but it's a very, very difficult place to stay in. It's, it's, it's more difficult if you were going to, to live there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with, you know, you have these, these companies. Now, I remember the mayor of Venice or someone who had, had recently said that someone had asked, what time does Venice close? Mm-hmm. Alluding to the fact that someone actually thought Venice was a theme park. <laughs> it is actually an interesting analogy because it almost seems like that. A lot of the museums, you know, people aren't really going there. They're going to walk around. They want to go to San, you know, San Marcos Square. They want to go up to the tower. They want to walk around. They want to shop. They want to eat. If they can, t- the, the the problems in Venice, the biggest problem in Venice is overdevelopment. Mm-hmm. And if they keep, if they keep, you know, if if your family had an apartment building with let's say ten apartments in it, and Gucci came and, and offered you, they wanted to open up a shop there or or a small boutique hotel, 
they offered you $50 million, well, you're gone. Yeah. You're going to take the money and you're going to run. Definitely. And so what happens is it just takes, you know, apartments or, you know, places to live out of the inventory. But the reality is that if they keep building hotels, they keep building restaurants, they keep building shops, and there are fewer places to live. Uh, I mean, it's not like, you know, they have big grocery stores. I mean, you're going to, in order to get to the mainland, in order to go to a big store, you're going to have to take a train, you're going to have to get on a bus, and it's a schlep. Mm-hmm. And then once you get there, you have to come back. And that's why a lot of people don't want to live there. I had shared with you a Time magazine from July 25th, 1969, which was to really commemorate the Apollo 11 landing on the moon. And in there, surprisingly, was an article entitled Venice Under Siege. The same issues now. You know, Venice is sinking. Well, Venice has been sinking since 421 A.D. when the city was founded. It's nothing that the, the cruise industry did. You know, for almost 1,600 years, Venice has been sinking. It's on a very soft foundation. And, and so here, 50 years ago, you know, you know, decrepit buildings, the flooding in San Marcos Square, which has been happening forever, Mm-hmm. Um, it has nothing to do with the cruise ships. So going back to my original comment, how the cruise industry is being scapegoated, because before, when they were talking about the over-tourism, they weren't getting a whole lot of attention. Yeah. But then when they used the pictures of these ships that are sailing past San Marcos Square in the afternoon at uh, you know 4 or 5 o'clock at night, and you have thousands of people going out there to take pictures, I actually think it's a beautiful sight. You know, I, I remember 2012, believe it or not, we were on Carnival Breeze, you were sailing out. We decided to actually get off in Venice and end the cruise there. And it was midnight. We were coming out on a gondola into San Marcos Square, and you called me from your cell phone from the carnival breeze as you were sailing away. You know, we were waving at each other, and I mean, it was a spectacular sight to see. It's a be- an amazing city to sail into. Fast forward to today, what is the status with the cruise ships visiting Venice? Like, if someone has a cruise coming up, should they be worried? Right now, no. There's been a lot of misreports um, about a meeting that occurred in the Italian government last week. Um, the, the industry and the government of Italy have been working to find um, a, a solution or another, an alternative route for the ships to get to the port to dispel the myths. You know, the cruise ships are, are very respective and, and very cognizant of the uh, environmentalists. So essentially what they have is they have three tugboats, a minimum of three, but the larger ships will have four tugboats, uh, two in the front, two in the back, leading them out or leading them in to ensure that there aren't issues. Unfortunately, what happened with uh, MSC Opera back in June, you know, where it uh, collided um, with a riverboat in the port, it was an accident. Wasn't it on purpose? It was an issue with the ship. Never happened before. Um, It's never really happened in history, you know, with you know, the, the tens of thousands of departures and arrivals of all these ships all over the world. I mean, this was a freak accident, but it's being used um, as a rallying call that uh, the cruise industry is a danger to Venice. So as far as passengers going now, the answer is no, I wouldn't worry about it. There are no other suitable facilities right now that would be able to pass muster to make it safe for the cruise ships to visit. And if they try to, you know, you know, make, I mean, you know, it, it just defeats the purpose. I mean, they want to put the ships on the mainland. Then, you know, the passengers would have to either be bussed or take trains in and out of Venice. It just creates a whole lot more traffic. And if they're talking about trying to be intermodally friendly, I mean, you're adding thousands of additional trips on the road. 
and causing a whole lot more pollution than, uh, than, than what they're trying to avoid. There are other viable solutions altering the, the routes. They've already got a port. There's no reason to spend hundreds of millions or up to a billion dollars on new facilities I mean, this is just hopefully, you know, cooler heads will, will prevail. I want to change gears here and talk about the state of the cruise industry for a moment. How is the cruise industry doing as a whole right now? Because if you were just to look at the Carnival Corporation stock, you'd think it was a very volatile industry. Well, Doug, if, if you looked at all of these stocks collectively and if you listen to the earnings calls, bookings are ahead of same time last year. Um, the booking prices are higher than they were. Uh, year over year, the industry as a whole is doing incredibly well. Um, record number of ships are under construction, and a record number of ships are sailing the high seas now. Um, the ships are sailing full overall and at higher prices. Specifically speaking, as far as Carnival Corporation, um, you know, there's a lot that the cruise lines them or the cruise companies themselves do to control uh, their stocks. And you know, listen, sometimes look, you have a lot of investors. Doug, that invest and base, uh, you know, you know their their buys and sells on which way the wind is blowing. Mm-hmm. And you know, Carnival Corporation is dealing with the environmental issues that were caused by its Princess Cruises brand. Um, you know, with uh, you know regard to the you know the the polluting the the dumping um, and and how they're reporting and they they they've got it under control. Um, the industry as a whole is taking great strides to continue to be a, a better partner to the oceans. I mean, look, it is in their best interest to be the best operators because the sea is, is where they the, the, these ships are, are operating. And as an investor, to get a stock when it's, it's at a low, a low point is, is a, always a good uh, idea because it, it can only, it's only going to go up. Listener question from Billy. How are these new investments in private islands going to impact cruise pricing? That's a great question. The cruise lines Many of the cruise lines are, are investing heavily in the private island experiences. Um, as we've seen with you know companies like Disney, everyone would love to be able to all of the cruise lines would love to be able to get Disney pricing, but uh, they they you know some of them have had all kinds of characters from other uh, companies, and no one has able to no one has been able to replicate the the Disney success. Disney is Disney, mm-hmm. and the private islands for all the lines have done very very well. And continue to do well, but there there has been an, an an exception, you know, with Royal Caribbean's private island in the Bahamas that uh, they just put 250 million dollars in uh, at Coco Cay. It's extraordinary how 250 million dollars can transform an island, and because of the success of the island and the demand, um, they are going to be bringing in more and more ships, and the prices on those ships have greatly uh, increased, especially in the three- and four-day market um, currently on navigated seas. Recently, you know, reintroduced ship um, where they put in um, millions and millions of dollars uh, into, in, in the, into the recent uh, upgrades. But the island is, is very hot. They've got thrill areas you know, with 21 slides, chill areas, you know, beautiful beaches. They have the fifth largest freshwater pool in the world on the island. Uh, so there's really something for everyone and, you know, for, for a period of time, you're going to have a lot of people willing to pay a premium price to go to uh, an island like that. But then you also have NCL, and you have Holland America with uh, Half Moon K, which is one of the most beautiful islands owned by the cruise lines. And uh, we know 
that Carnival Cruise Line, you know, is is going to possibly uh, put the fun day at sea on hiatus or kind of tone it down because their their passengers are also going to be going to uh, Half Moon Key, and which you know the, a lot of these islands like um, Coco Key can have one, two, possibly three ships uh, visiting at, at one time, which would be interesting as more and more facilities on these islands are built. So it's hard to say, you know, that for a lot of the lines, Doug, the cruise lines you know, have been building these islands as additional stops to enhance the cruise itinerary. So here you're going to different ports in the Caribbean, and now you have an opportunity to go to this private island, and you know it's a beach day, you know you're going to have, you know, kind of a much more laid-back experience than you would if you were into a major port and running around all day. So it has been very successful for for all of the cruise lines, in being able to provide a destination that they can control. And you know, Royal Caribbean is expected to start making announcements on some of the other islands that uh, they're going to be building uh, or, or debuting outside of the Caribbean soon. Royal Caribbean invests $200 million in Perfect Day. Carnival is about to invest. Carnival Corporation is about to invest like $80 million in Half Moon. And Norwegian invested millions into Great Stirrup. Is this translating to— Oh, well, that was actually Harvest K, which is near Belize. Right, uh, okay. Um, Great Stirrup K, which originally was known as Pleasure Island, is—they put uh, you know $20 million into right. it, but it's still not like the— theme park type of an experience that, that they'll see at Coco Cay. So my question is, though, with investing all this money in these private islands, is the mentality of the cruise line, like, we need to recoup this investment, let's raise the cruise prices? Well, in general, they are, but they also have to provide new or enhanced experiences on these itineraries to continue to get repeat business. It's a necessary uh, investment, and what Royal Caribbean did specifically was really, you know, outside the the stadium of, of what the other cruise lines have done. Um, you know, up, it, it was above and beyond. It's it's like you know you you can refurbish a ship, you can you know replace a propeller, you can change the upholstery in the lounges, or you can replace the beds. But what they did was significantly more extensive than just a routine uh, dry docking to to really make this this experience on this particular uh, private island much more outlandish, mm-hmm. extravagant yeah. than what you'd have on other islands. But these, but these private islands are, are, are destinations that the cruise lines are using to enhance their itineraries to differentiate themselves from each other. Finally here, Stuart, uh, there's a lot of new hardware coming online over the next few years. Is there anything truly unique out there, or are all these ships just a carbon copy of each other? What we've got you know, coming in this year, we've got Sky Princess, which is you know, part of the royal class. Um, Norwegian Encore, which is, you know, a, a breakaway plus, you know, the next ship. I mean, we're not going to see a new ship, uh, you know, the, the Leonardo class until, what, 2022, I believe, um, from NCL. But a lot of the ships are copies of the other ships, but they tend to have new uh, features that uh, will somewhat differentiate them. But uh, there, there's a lot of good stuff. I mean, next year in 2020 with uh, Crystal Endeavor, uh, making its uh, debut, you know, Ritz-Carlton and Virgin Cruises. Silver Sea is coming out with their Silver Origin. Celebrity Apex will be coming out. That's a, you know, one of the most spectacular ships ever built, and to have a second reiteration of it is, is going to be quite amazing. But uh, I think look also looking in 2020, you've got a brand-new class of ships for Carnival with Mardi Gras, and which will also be the first LNG, you know, liquid natural gas, uh, ship to debut into the United States. 
there's a lot of exciting uh, ships coming online. And, uh, you know, in 2020, you know, I'm looking forward to Royal Caribbean's Odyssey of the Seas, which will, you know, be the first uh, quantum-class ship really, you know, debuting in the United States since Anthem uh, of the Seas, and uh, which was, I guess, 2015, so it'll be five years. So yeah. uh, there's a lot of, you know, great ships on the near horizon. Some are copies of, of other ships, but uh, they're, they're all doing extraordinarily well and, and doing a lot to attract past passengers as well as new passengers what are your thoughts about Virgin Voyages? Do you think they'll be able to fill up every ship, every sailing with the North American market, or do you think they'll be sourcing from European audience, audience as well? I think they're going to be sourcing also from the European audiences. I mean, you know, that's that's where the brand is, uh, you know, very well known. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of people that are interested to see, you know, what this brand uh, can be doing and to have, you know, to have a, a Virgin product, you know, you know, sailing into the the Bahamas uh, and into the Caribbean, uh, I think it's going to attract uh, a lot of people. And it doesn't have as much brand recognition here in the states as it does in, uh, you know, let's say in in Europe. But uh, I think it's going to have quite a following, and I think it's going to be an interesting experience. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, giving it a, a spin when when she arrives. But uh, there's going to be you know a lot of differences. Uh, I don't think they understand totally, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're ridiculing buffets, and we really haven't seen the buffets that they're, um, you know, slapping around or mm-hmm. pooing on, you know, since the uh, early 1900s. I mean, these are <laughs> all really kind of, of, of restaurants that uh, they have on board. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they deal with, like, breakfast, for example, or people are just looking for something kind of quick on the go or, or lunch and, and how these restaurants that they're designing can can help people that you know they don't want a two or three hour dining extravaganza they just want something kind of quick and you know be able to be done in anywhere at 30 minutes or less but you know look i you know having met you know richard branson and spent some time talking to them about what they're trying to do he hasn't been on a cruise ever in his life Mm -hmm. but he wants to you know he wants to he wants to help devise something to have fun with i mean not that the other ships aren't any fun, so that's why it'll be interesting. But he said, yeah, it's just like it's a place for adults to go, be able to let their hair down and, and have a good time, and you know, it'll be interesting to see. We've been talking with Stuart Sheeran, the Cruise Guy, America's most quoted cruise expert. You can find him online at cruiseguy.com or follow him on Twitter at cruiseguy. Stuart, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes and talking with us this morning. Have a good one, buddy. My pleasure, Doug. All right, before we go here, you'll want to tune into next week's Cruise Radio Rewind. This is what we call a tease. I had a chance to sit down with a crew member and ask that crew member a lot of questions about life below deck, gratuities, how the cash is really distributed, and probably a lot of other questions that you may have and you could never get the answer to. I'm not going to air their voice on the show next week because I don't want to expose this person and get them in trouble. Um, I will say that It is a tip or gratuity position on the ship. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to say the cruise line, what cruise ship, or anything like that. Uh, So we'll be reading the questions and answers on next week's Cruise Radio Rewind. If you're in the Cruise Radio News Facebook group, chances are that your question got answered as well. If you're not, we'd love to have you. Just type in Cruise Radio News on Facebook, and I will talk to you on Thursday. Take care. Say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.